Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Bobcast with you as always is Bob, live in the lounge, staring at the Ouija board. When I think about my musical career, I think about memories. And when I think about memories, I think about video, you're right. I mean, like when you play like a big gig, you want to have like some good audio. You want to have some good video of like these like massive monumental memories in your life. And for me, there is no bigger memory than I guess it's 2007, 2008. My band Downtown Harvest plays the World Cafe Live. I'd never did three encores before ever for a sold out audience. And the guy behind the camera had a bunch of other people who were, um, orchestrating like a plethora of activity where multiple cameras were going. I'd never seen anything quite like it really in the mid 2000s because quite frankly, nobody was doing it except tonight's guest. Uh, tonight's guest has a history in the city of Philadelphia as being somebody who has documented our memories. And when you document somebody's memories, you're automatically welcome into that family. With that being said, please welcome tonight's guest, George Morgan. How are you, sir? Hey, what's up, man? So good to see you. Like I said, dude, like all those years, like you were always on top, like of that video audio dream. Like you, you just always had it. Like where did your passion for capturing memories come from? Um, you know what? It really, it's because I wanted to make movies, but, um, you know, it was just so hard to do. Whereas the video, you know what I mean? We just threw the cameras down, edited and, uh, you know, it was so much easier like putting together movies just so hard yes very hard what's your favorite movie george top one uh almost famous <laughs> okay cool let's talk about that because you know what dude i love that movie okay <laughs> i saw it in the theater and uh i guess my cameron crow obsession came from jerry Maguire first but then you know he's going to tackle the story that you know apparently was going to have brad pitt in the role of uh russell hammond Yes, thank you. Uh, and mm -hmm. like, I was always like fascinated with like, you know, I mean, like you're in a band, you're in like, you know, the, the, the scene with rock and roll. And this movie comes out. And my wife and I, we still talk about it. It's like, it's such a correct movie, you know? Yeah, I dude, I love it. You know what it's about? Love of art. That's the crazy thing. He's fucking like Cameron Crowe just loves music so much. And Cameron Crowe, I mean, for the people out there who don't know, he also worked for Rolling Stone. So it's kind of like a semi-autobiographical, like, you know, like a story being told. But for me, though, like, I guess, like, some of the parts that I think about quite a bit, like when Russell gets electrocuted on the microphone, I had that happen to me once. <laughs> and I got to be, yeah, like, there's, that feeling is the worst, dude. The worst. Yeah, dude, I, I can imagine. Now, have you ever seen Vanilla Sky? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Vanilla Sky's up there for us, too. Yeah. Dude, Vanilla Sky. And that's a remake, too, which some people don't know. But, like, the fact that Cameron Crowe was able to... I don't know. Something about that, like, film, like, always, like, sticks out to me. Like, uh, as far as, like, you know, like, um, the vanity aspect of, like, this guy's face and, like, you know, falling in love. Cameron Crowe's a great Tom filmmaker. Cruise too. Uh, to, oh, let's, let's focus <laughs> on the fact that Tom Cruise, I mean, like, how old is this dude? And he's still doing yeah. things, like, you know, like jumping off buildings, uh, you know. It's intense. It's a quite an intense um, career that he's had. I think my favorite film from Tom Cruise, though, was Interview with a Vampire, just because nobody thought he could do it. Oh, yeah, that was wild. He has a Kirsten Dunst was a little kid. Yeah, a little vampire. And I think that they're making that into a TV series now, as you know, George, I mean, like, what's your thoughts on this? Like, uh, you know, like everything, 
from our childhood right now is making a comeback. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, it's not that I, like, hate it. Like, I know Scorsese gets all upset about, like, um, you know, comic book movies and being, you know, same fucking thing over and over again. But the thing is, it's, like, it's kind of meant to be crazy. So it's meant to be, like, stupid. Like, all the 80s movies we love, like, you know, you probably, um, like, Almost Famous. So, it's not Almost, I'm sorry. <laughs> over the Top, um, yeah. you know, Commando, Rambo 2. They were just so ridiculous, dude. And now with the streaming... Like, I just watched all the Rambos in one day. It was hilarious. Dude, you just struck a nerve with me over the top. For the folks out there who don't know, you don't have to Google because I'll explain it to you. Over the Top was a film that was going to be a spinoff, I guess, of like what Rocky and Rambo's world was, was developing at the time. And it was a, a movie about arm wrestling. And I had the, um, the toys. I had the toy, the, the bald guy. Oh, my God. I didn't remember they had toys. Well, Hawk, yeah. Dude, I don't have it in this room crazy. right now. But I don't have it in the room, but uh, <laughs> that's crazy. Do me a favor, George. Uh, hold hold that mic up off your chest because I feel I think it's kind of clicking. There you go. There you go. Perfect. You know what? Uh, it's just your audio might be clicking. Um, so for those out there who have never seen a piece of George's stuff, first off, dude, let me just say thank you, man. Like, I mean, I probably said it before, but like never in the public forum, like, thank you for like liking my band and thank you for it like, was great, man, because Bob, I didn't like a lot of stuff. That's the crazy thing. You know what I mean? Like, I love you guys like a lot of like a lot of the um, we do a lot of jam band. We did a lot of jam bands and it's or I did a lot of metal and punk. And that's not what I listened to. You know, it's always cool to be able to to shoot what you actually love and act like because. Literally, you don't understand. I literally heard all your songs, everyone's songs, like eight or nine hours. Because like you're, as you're editing, you know, you know, you're looping and going back and forth. And it's like you're hearing the same fucking song, like literally 50 or 60 times before you're until you're done. You know. <clears throat> Thank you, though. I mean, like, you know, I mean, like, I don't know. It's, it's really hard. I mean, Tom and I speak weekly and. uh Tom and I were always very, like, you know, we were young men, you know, like I'm 41 now. And like, I don't know. I just, I just want to say thank you though. Cause it's like, you did that work and you didn't do it because you wanted to get paid. You did it because you liked the music and like what for one, we didn't have any money then, but like, <laughs> there's something about like when somebody is a fan who's capturing you, you're able to perform more fluidly. You know, like there was this one night where you came and you did our reunion show at the oh, Grape, Grape, Grape Room. Street one, yeah. Yeah. And that was like about 2013, 14, maybe. And dude, like there were so many cameras set up. That place was packed to the gills. I'd never seen the Grape Room. Still, I'd never seen the Grape like that. But like, it was such a cool, like, you know, thing to like know that George is out there doing his thing, you know? And like, I know we discussed at one point we were going to do something like a, like a Philly, like a songwriter story, you know, the coulda, woulda, shouldas. Right. You know, yeah. what, you know what? I mean, like, I've come to this point where it's like, there's this like theory, I guess, like with like some like musicians where it's like, well, I didn't make it. Well, what are you defining that on? Like, how did you make it? Why didn't you make it? Like, did you affect somebody's life? Because in my opinion, when you affect somebody's life and they take an interest in you, You've done your part. 
and you were always so nice to us, dude. So thank you. No problem, man. Now, the, another thing that I'm going to tell you right now that I've never said publicly to you on Facebook or on social media. <laughs> I thought about this this morning when I woke up to talk to you. <laughs> there is nobody else on social media, no one, that I copy or, excuse me, save photos. Like, you post shit, and I save your photos, <laughs> and I post them on Instagram thinking, like, ah, oh, George isn't on here on Instagram. <laughs> I'm just going to post this shit because, like, you also, too, like, you share that love of film. Now, I'm a musician, but I'm also a screenplay writer, and I love film. I love memories, and I love the art of cinema and, like, just everything about it. Like, can you tell me, though, George, have you seen a good movie lately that you could recommend? Ooh, oh, man. I usually stack them up, dude, to try to – all right. Well, it's really – it's not – because, honestly, I've, I've seen so much stuff in the in the past pandemic – like we finished, um, you know, Cheers into Frasier. Now we're on The Office. Uh, you know, a lot of Netflix stuff. It's kind of cliche, like the Squid Game and stuff. But you know what I really, um, one I would really push that I saw recently, the last two or three years, is uh, Brawl and Cell Block 99. Oh, dude, with, um, now I've it's heard hard. about this film. It's with Vince Vaughn, right? Yeah. It's harsh. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to download that because, you know, it's, it was on my list. Once I became a dad, it was so hard to like keep up with like, you know, I, there was a moment in my life before I was a dad where I just consumed media. I love media. For me, I have, um, I guess I have like depression. I guess I have like post-traumatic stress. And when I watch a movie that I like, it's like I can live in that world for two hours and I don't think about anything but that, you know? Right. Um, it's hard too, because it's like, you know, as I got older now, I'm like, I mean, like everyone's like talking about Squid Game. I'm like, uh, what? Like, how long is it? Eight hours? So I'm re-watching The Sopranos. I uh, yeah, we did that. <laughs> I, I, like, first off, like, let's just be honest. I mean, from a screenplay writer perspective, I can say that without a doubt, the writing in The Sopranos, I like short scenes, short scenes that mean everything. And you have to take like a couple minutes, to, like, process. And, like, I, have you seen The Many Saints of Newark? You know what's funny? <laughs> because I, I've been sleeping a lot in the pandemic, so I'll fall asleep. I fell asleep when me and my wife watched it um, the first time. And now I was re-watching it just today. I'm like uh, half an hour in. Um, so I, I got I to go back, back and check it out again. Because like I said, we've watched The Sopranos like at least two or three times. And it's got better each time. You know what this is so crazy too is like, I agree with that fact. It's like, okay, The Sopranos came out 15 years ago. You know, and like, or excuse me, it came out in 1999, which is over 20 years ago. But like... The writing is so good because David Chase does this thing where it's like he allows people to just get a little bit of it, you know, like just a little right. bit of this. Whereas I feel like in modern day cinema, it's like, here's why this character is the way they are. It's weird, right? Yeah, I hear you. You know what you might find interesting? Um, this dude, Vin Kalila, he's friends with Brett Talley. Um, he's a filmmaker too, um, but he posted it was like, the end of the surprise, dude, it was literally an hour and 15 minutes about that finale. And so do you know who William Burroughs is? Yes, of course. Yeah, He's one of the beats with Kerouac and stuff, right? Big heroin addict and crazy dude. Well, he had like an audio series about Egyptian death. And I guess that's what they had used in um, the, the seventh season or the six and a half season of The Sopranos. And like they go into all the details, like as far as like 
you're going over water. It's like it could be like the immigrant experience versus, you know, uh, whatever the the river of uh, Thames, whatever it is. Um, but like it was really detailed just about the finale and how it all made sense. And it's like David Chase was leading up to that for the whole series, the whole series. David Chase, you know, I, I, I love a screenplay writer who is so. Um, he doesn't tell like like when somebody doesn't tell you the whole thing, like even in like real life, let's be honest, right? Somebody doesn't tell you the whole story and, you know, in the moment, they're not telling you the whole story. There's this moment of anticipation that happens between you, them, the story. I, I really find that like modern day film doesn't do that a lot. You know, like a, like, like a film will tell you like straight up who this person is. And then you have to like, you know, connect the dots, but like something along the lines of like not knowing who somebody really is for a whole season character arc. Like it's right. It's hard, you know? And like the Sopranos, like I just rewatched um, season six B or seven or whatever they want to call it. And I'm a dad now, and I didn't look at it the same way when I first saw it. Now that I'm a dad, people are always like, oh, what happened in the fucking Holstons? What happened with the onion rings, Bob? First off, an onion ring is a circle, which represents the circle, which also represents infinity. It keeps happening over and over and over again, right? In that season, two things are happening. One, AJ Soprano is having the dark night of the soul. AJ tries to kill himself. And when oh, he kills himself in that season, okay. Dude, that was the most prolific scene, like where it's like you, you feel so bad for him, you know, like you don't want that to happen to AJ. But like, think about this, right? Because I just wrapped 6B last night. AJ, Dark Knight of the Soul, Meadow, no longer being the pediatrician, Meadow, trying to figure out what her life is all about. Both these two young kids, also with Carmela. Carmela is like so fucking, I didn't even realize how like, materialistic Carmela really was yeah that spec house is crazy <laughs> now with that all being said they take notice when their her husband and the father of the family is executed in front of them imagine the trauma that would happen to somebody who's in the mafia because Meadow says to him in that season I only became uh, a prosecutor in law because I saw the FBI take you out of the house so many different times. I probably would have been the pediatrician like Carmela wanted, but this is what I'm going to do now because you're in the mafia. And then to watch that mafia figure or that father be executed, of course he's fucking dead. What do you think is going on there? You know what I mean? Like, there's no <laughs> other ending. What is he doing? Like, selling, like, you know, like uh, patio furniture with the rock at that garden store? No, he's dead, dude. Like, and that's, and that's all that it could have been. You know what it's I mean? Like, how could it have ended, you know? That's the only way to end that story. And the only way to end that story, too. I mean, like, people are like, oh, like, they give you the hints. First off, you know, Bobby says, I, I bet you probably don't even hear it when it happens. And then Syl confirms it, you know, like, later. And it's like, yeah. it's just weird, man. Like, that show, though, it's been gone for so long, but I still think about it. And, like, I don't know if that level of storytelling has been replicated since in that fashion. And you know what's funny, dude, is, like, when we were watching first, it's like we kept on wanting to get like get killed or something to happen and nothing happened. It just kept on going and going. And then we didn't like really appreciate the ending when we saw it because we're like, oh, fuck, nothing happened again. You know, it just ended with nothing. But now when we went back and watched, like you totally get what it was trying to do that whole time. You know, um, 
getting to try to figure out like you know like what is going on in the film it's like one of my favorite things in the world too because it's like it's hard like there's some films like you know like you rewatch and you find these nuances in the dialogue or something that's different and like it's weird right you know it's funny so the one the one movie that made me want to make movies so fucking you know <laughs> saddle me with 30 grand in debt for nothing but um reservoir dogs is the big one for me because it's all about honor like harvey Keitel's or um tim ross character does have to tell him at the end who he is and he tells him he's a cop because the right thing to do but basically they all die except for mr pink who either they either some people said he get a, gets away if you hear it in the soundtrack he probably got caught and they, they got the diamonds that way but yeah i mean that whole movie is just about honor among thieves like they're actually not better people than regular people, but like they're just as mortal or, or their own, their own mortal sense. You know, they're all their own um, way they live by. You know, I I had heard the rumor that um, he was going to reshoot Reservoir Dogs with a different cast for his tenth film. Yeah, that was one of the rumors. Yeah, which would be nuts, right? Like, come on, dude. Like, I would like uh, I I kind of want to see wanted, that. It was he was going to do like an all black cast or an all woman cast but i think he said he would rather do like a play for that yeah the one that i'm excited about um i don't know if you heard but he wants to redo the book for first blood oh dude <laughs> dude first off there's something about quentin like okay all right so as a screenplay writer there is no other better form of um dialogue than him like he's so good with the way that he conducts his um like I, I like and you know what I've said that before in the podcast, but I'll say it to you and you probably agree with me 100 percent when you're watching those actors reading Quentin's dialogue, those actors become Quentin, oh, yeah. which is nuts. Right. Yeah. And he Tell held it. I mean, so I don't know about you. The only thing I don't like is I don't like death proof. Although it has Kurt Russell, which is super uh, cool. Affinably, yeah. you know, affinably. It's not really a Quentin film. It's a, it's a grindhouse film. Right. So, I mean. Yeah, no, that no death proof is all him. Is it? No, the so Robert it's it's it's, it, it's Rodriguez, but then also to the half feature, and it's not oh, like that a, was yeah. their double feature, wasn't it? Yeah, where it was uh, a double was where feature. They brought in machete. Okay, yeah, but the, I did enjoy. I did enjoy that film though. But what were you gonna say about that though? Oh shit, I forget. Um, uh, let's let's move on. Let me ask you this question. Yeah, his tenth and final film. Which genre do you do? Do you do Kill Bill 3? Or do you do something that's going to blow everybody's expectations away? I would have preferred a Star Trek because I'm a Star Trek geek. But oh, I mean, so I'll he take did First have a script, Blood. yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll take First Blood because I, um, I love that movie, actually. I think it's a real movie. Like, it's not like the rest of the movie, uh, no. the rest of the movies in that series. You know? I also, I also, have you ever seen, I'm sure you have, I shouldn't even ask this question, but for the people out there listening, um, there's a scene that was not, filmed no it was filmed but it wasn't included in the final cut it's rainbow dies at the end oh no i didn't know that in the first one wow that's crazy so if you if you go on youtube you can actually watch this scene for the listeners out there and the crazy thing is that the book ends this way john rambo kills himself in that police station because it's too much but there's no franchise then there's no you know right. there's nowhere to go and like the crazy thing is too is if you watch first blood and then you watch Rambo 2. It's like a totally different guy, man. Like, oh my I mean, God, like, so uh, it's nuts. 
But I mean, like, look, I mean, Sylvester Stallone, I mean, like the whole aspect of him and his career and like everything he's done. I don't know if there will be actors like that no more that have like three or four characters that define them. Right. Yeah. They'll probably be Netflix series or something, you know? <laughs> you know what I mean? There's something about yeah. that, like where it's like, uh, you know, like, I just don't know, you know if that could be possible. Dude, like, I, like, I, and again, you're probably the same way. It's like, we grew up on, like, Rocky Four. Like, I knew it was, like, propaganda. I knew it was garbage, but it was just so much fun. It didn't take itself seriously. It had a robot, you know? Well, we were also in a time where, like, the, um, the presentation of pop culture wasn't through the geist of social media, right? So, yeah, that's another like, thing that's different. Yeah. What you got was what you got, and you, um, sat with it, right? You, you watched it. You sat with it. Maybe you had a conversation with your friends at the cafeteria, but there was no other post dialogue about a film. Like as we record this episode tonight, um, I'm going to watch Dune. It's on HBO Max. Comes out yep. tonight, right? Change completely because I'm watching this now, this film that I should watch in the theater at home. I am excited though, George, that one of the things that happened during this pandemic was that it seemed like the movie theater industry was shot they're like, it's, it's over, dude. There's nothing left. Then all of a sudden, you know, Halloween comes out, makes $50 million. It's also released on Peacock, which means it probably would have made $100 million if it wasn't on Peacock. Right. It means the movie industry is still there. There's still, like, despite everything that's going on in our world right now, people want to see shit on Instagram. They want to see Spotify, this, that, whatever. They want it now. There is still the need. People to say, I'm going to put my phone away for two hours. I'm going to go into a dark place. I'm going to watch the shit with a bunch of strangers. And I fucking love that, dude. Right. Yeah. And you know what? I mean, the one good thing with the pandemic for me is like, I saw, you know, Squid Game out of South Korea. Then there's a, um, a Magna, a Mag, Magna, my what is it? Um, the Japanese, um, like, comic books. It's like another version of like a, a Hunger Games type thing set in Japan. And then I don't know if you saw Money Heist from Spain, but my point is there's like now like this worldwide type, you know, um, thing like pulling in um, all kinds of different type stories. I mean, granted, it's still more of the comic book variety or whatever, but now maybe more people will see things, you know, different I things. I hope so, George. I hope that people, like, like for you and I, will never grow old, dude, ever. <laughs> like there is no getting old when everything you love keeps coming back. Did you ever see a uh, city of lost children? Yes. Oh, yo. Know, so my wife bought that back in the day. She had to pay 120 bucks on wow. uh, VHS. Yeah. Delicatessen and city of lost children were his first two big ones. Janae. Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things I want to talk about is like, you have always had um, a connection with Philly artists, right? One of the ones that like, there's a video that like I think about still to this day that was so good. Don McCluskey's My Fucking Glockenspiel. Okay. Now this is like 10 years old, right? Yeah, it probably is. Yeah, about 10, if not more. Yeah. Now I'm going to tag him in this post because yet he has declined after 326 episodes to come on the show. Don McCluskey, I think he'd be a great guest on the podcast. I'd love to be able to hear you for an hour plus. That video there is something to be said george about that 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 time like you had this finger on the pulse you had this finger on the pulse 
and like you were like able to like navigate all these different artists. My question is because like I'm at home all the time now and I go to bed too, like you probably 839, you know, like it just right. doesn't happen. Are you still involved with local music like that? No, I mean, honestly, for me, the tough thing is um, like is one like just to say I hate to be like an old man, but like I probably lost like 20 or 30 percent of my hearing over the years from doing it. And the other thing is just like it's so draining because a lot of the big things we would do is festivals. And uh, we did a fest, the 420 Fest down um, in, uh, in Georgia, in Atlanta. And first of all, fuck on the ride down, a car flipped over. So we were stuck on the highway for like 12 hours. Wow. So we didn't get any sleep that night. Then the first, first night of the show, I got sun poisoning. So like I was like hot and cold at the same time. You know, it was crazy. Um, like, you know, I was thinking about it, takes, you know, I knew I was going to talk to you. And one of the crazy things is like you do these festivals to tape these great bands like we we're going to it was like Trey Anastasio, uh, Widespread Panic, Ween, you know, a bunch of different bands. And it's just so exhausting and you have to shoot the whole thing. It's not just shooting some of it. So, you know, it, it's rough, really. My, my buddy does it now like live. He actually did uh, the Grateful Dead's drummer from uh, oh, wow. Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does a lot of jam bands and stuff. He actually did Wilco, though, which is pretty cool. But, you know, again, so the same thing, like when you would play, you have to set up all your equipment and then take it down at two in the morning. So you're going to bed at like three or four. Yeah. It's a yeah, brutal well. lifestyle. It's a brutal lifestyle. Um, I don't do it no more. And um, I'm conflicted, to be honest with you, because it's like, I miss it. I miss um, community. I miss people being together. But I mean, in a nutshell, it's like, it is what it is. I mean, like the passage of time, this is much easier for me to uh, tune in at 7 p.m. to record a podcast rather than, you know, show up like three hours earlier at the World Cafe live for a gig that doesn't start for eight hours. Like that was just the worst. So what is your, what was your timetable? for like a regular show like what okay. time, like you would get there at three or four <laughs> thanks for asking me a question dude in the podcast on the bobcast yes, nobody asked I me it. for the rest of the show just ask me a question okay so um okay so like it was brutal so it's like okay so i remember this one big show at the world cafe live i didn't go on to 9 30 at night they're like we you need you to be here at 2 p.m we need to make sure the kick drum works we need to make sure the bass drum works and it's like you can't line check this you can't take your time with this the relentlessness of being a band that's not yet on the marker is very hard because you are going through all sorts of um, things. Like there's so many different things that are going on where you're just like, I just, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can, you know, hack it. And also like, to be quite honest, I think it's like a stamina thing. Like how do I maintain my energy all day long until somebody comes up? And unfortunately from a 41 year old, I can tell you that the answer always was alcohol. Um, you got to drink. You got to drink. And the, the way like, I'm processing this, George, too, is like most of my rehearsals, most of my practicing music was always from a place of being sober. Then I'm fucked up when I'm performing it for, for people, which is right. probably what a lot of musicians go through. And it's something we don't talk about, really. I wasn't aware of my feelings until I got older that it upset me that 
I'm making something that needs to be shown in a way that's censored through the guise of alcohol or drugs or you know what I'm saying? Like when you write a novel, you don't like get all fucked up when they like print out all the pages. You know what I mean? Like you just don't. Like you right. just don't. I don't know. It's a weird thing. And like I have regrets about some of that, you know, like I have um like I was pretty drunk at that World Cafe Live gig that I introduced you to like you know with the three encores like i remember i left stage for the third encore to go do a shot of jack daniels and i took a hit of a joint and like i came back on stage and nobody knows but like on tape i know i'm so up there and i can't even like walk you know like i don't know but like like i said dude george like thank you dude like because i don't think that i would have the mental imagery of like what that was like unless you were there so like one of the things that like I was very adamant about with this podcast was bringing you on to not only say thank you for myself, but thank you for all the musicians out there in Philadelphia that you helped make memories for. Yeah, it, it was really amazing. It was like a slice of time. Like, you know, what's funny now. Cause like, there's no one left that I even know. Like, I don't know <laughs> if you like, if you look at Facebook or like the, you know, like whoever's at time or Kyber or whoever it is, I'm like, shit, there's not fucking, not one person is it's the weird. same. It's a weird thing. And you know what? It's a process thing too. It's like the, um, for an artist, you're an artist too, like me, right? Like, regardless, like I played a bass guitar, but you had the camera. It goes away and you got to be cool with it. You know, you got to be cool with it. And like the, the passage of time, but like. I mean, recently I had um, I had uh, Chris Lee on from Still Aside a couple of episodes back. And um, when we were having the podcast together, I was able to tap into that time like I am now with you. And I'm able to tap into that emotion that, I mean, Christ, what was it? Like 420p? Like it wasn't even 720 yet, right? Like digital wasn't that yet. You know, I'm like, yeah. letterbox. And you know what? There's something so unique about that because like we were the first generation to, to experience the, the recording process of documentation. I mean, like I've been documenting myself since 2013 with the podcast, but like with music, if it wasn't for you, George, we wouldn't have it. And yo, I still got the tapes actually. You want to come over and grab some? George, where do you live? I'm coming over right now. Yeah, right to Northern Liberties. We'll do some drinking. Actually, do the bar. I'm drinking right now. It's you know, it's so funny. You're like, I'm drinking. I'm like, well, yeah, I, I still do that. I still have that in my blood. I drink oh, only I on Thursday funny. nights. It's a weird thing I started doing. Oh, that's new Friday. I like being hungover on Fridays, and something about being hungover on Fridays, it's a nice way of being a dad. You know, like you're like, ah, <laughs> I'll roll into the weekend. We at one point, you and I had discussed, you know, let's do this Philly songwriter thing, and you know, like. At the time, there were so many different things like going to and fro. We weren't sure what we could do and what we couldn't do. But I do firmly believe that I have, like, I've been carrying that torch on here. And, like, I'm going to do a podcast soon with the Pawn Shop Roses, all these people from the 20s. And I know that, without a doubt, they all think about you. You know, like, you. Yeah, you I, I think about them. I still actually, now, you know, it's crazy. I got a projector upstairs, so it's going to be perfect for Dune. But, um, you know, I got a, a 5.1 system upstairs and everything. Nice. And now I can get the YouTube channel. So it's oh, all sweet. on there. You know what I mean? Oh, that's it's, even uh, better. My whole YouTube channel is there. Yeah. There is, um, like, I'll say it again, too. Like, look, hands down, 
nobody on the internet has more shit that I'm more interested than you. You post some of these pictures sometimes where I'm like, damn, he, he gets it, dude. He, like, cause I love film too. Like I may be a musician and you may have documented me as a, a musician, but like for me, I love cinema. I love, I love the aspect of um, storytelling and like, you know, you had that shit way before anybody else. So I, I can, I hope that we can continue this in some form um this you know like we just come on the show more often let's talk about music more well, often. you know what too bob i've been always looking for i asked don um what i wanted to do which i don't know if you know but today um is the day that um shannon hoon died wow. from blind melon yeah indeed i don't know how how long back but like i always thought i would love to tell that story but kind of in an almost famous way where the majority is fiction not actually him but sort of like a jumping off point like I don't know if you know, so he came from um, Axel Rose's hometown. Yes. And he's in. He's um, actually in the video for Live and Let Die. Live and Let Die. Like he's that, in the right. on the rooftop. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. Which is, which is weird because you bring that up because it's like um, I, I had a, a couple of friends tell me like, you know, my hair was real long. Like, oh, you remind me of Shannon Hoon. And like, you know, the weird thing for me is like you bring that up. I'm listening right now in my uh, Spotify to Tones of Home. Yeah, I love Tones of Home. Dude, that album has such a good tone to it. You know, like one of the best tones that are out there. Like, that's why I love you, George. And um, I'm going <laughs> to tell you this right now. Um, I want to begin this trilogy series, like the first trilogy. So this podcast, number one, we're going to bring you back for number two, bring you back number three, and then we'll start all over again. But like, I think that for the next podcast, what I would like to do with you is this, because I don't have many film friends that are into cinema like you are. Let's pick a film that you and I both like and talk nothing about that for the next like half hour. If that's cool. With you. Oh God. You don't want to get me started. Like, so Bob, I'll just two real quick and we don't have to pick. Go ahead. These, but this is the two that we worship in our house. We try to watch them every year. And I don't think many people have seen them. Uh, one is wonder boys with Tobey Maguire. Great Robert movie. Jr. Mm -hmm. Ah, so good. And it's a great book too. And the other is John Favreau's first movie, which most people don't realize is Mate. Dude, I'm all about Mate. Okay, some people think though <laughs> that his first movie is um, Swingers. Doug Liman did it. But for me, Mate, I remember like being at Blockbuster Video in '99 and seeing Vince Vaughn and John Favreau in the back of a limousine and being like, "What is this?" Dude, that film's great. Let's do that. And Screeches in it too. I will do Mate with you for the next appearance of this podcast, um, George. If anybody wants to check out your stuff, like what's your handle on Instagram or Facebook? Uh, it's uh, YouTube, I think. GGF I'll put the link down below. I'll put the link down below for everybody oh. to check out. Yeah, I don't even know. I haven't watched any of that stuff in like <laughs> it's a couple of years. Hey, man, like, like I said, three times I'll say it. Thank you so much. Uh, you've been a great guest this evening. There's not there's not much you can say about somebody like I, I talked to Tom this morning. I was like, Oh, I'm doing a podcast tonight with George. He's like, make sure you tell Georgia. We really appreciate him. It's like, we really do, man. Like, and like I was a young man and I, you know, like when you're a young guy, like you really don't know how to express like gratitude for somebody, but I'm telling you right now that like one of the reasons I asked you to be on this show tonight was that I wanted to be able to tell you that not only that I steal all your shit on Facebook or social media, because it's so creative and like I we share the same interest, but, I really appreciate you being a fan and it made me feel really good. So thank you. Yep. Yeah, uh, so I'm right at third and Brown. 
So if you want to buy me drinks at the bar, whenever you guys come on, we'll drink. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of drinking. So <laughs> it's that. And the jukebox is amazing, Bob. That's what I do now. I, uh, I curate the jukebox picks. Love it. I love it. And you know what? People our age, that's exactly what we should be doing, man. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, they, said, just... you know, <laughs> they said, I listen to the music that dads buy jeans to. <laughs> Have you heard Limp like, yeah, new song, Dad right. Vibes? No, I haven't heard anything new. I didn't check it out. I wish I could play it for you, but we get flagged. Uh, recommend it for anybody out there who's feeling like a dad. Check out Dad Vibes on uh, YouTube or Spotify. George, always a pleasure. Um, I love having you as a guest. We'll do it again. Yep, let me know. I'm always down. My name's Bob, and this has been another episode of The Bobcast. <laughs>